Welcome back to the Cuddy and Gavi Unbanded Show. And this is really a welcome back because we came in here at 10 o'clock today. It's now 2 and did the show once. And evidently something happened that blew up or they thought the show was too good and our 81,000 listeners would have liked it too much. So they asked us to redo it. Anyway, we're back here in beautiful South Florida, Gabby and Cuddy, Unbanished, and you can get us on Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Apple. And on Instagram, it's Unbanished Pod. You have to go to Unbanished Pod. So one of the things that happened today, I got a text that the recording from the 10 to 11 o'clock that we did, and we were very funny, by the way, very funny, and it didn't work out. And I'm like, I responded immediately to my text, and I asked Javi, I said, what is the correct response time on a text? Because they wanted to reschedule us for another show. What do you think is fair when you get a text to respond? A minute. My brother-in-law, my sister's husband, is three seconds. He's the best. Um, I'm sometimes three seconds, but I'm also if you're if you're in a dentist office. By the way, I, I feel the pressure when I hear the beep yeah, go yeah, up. Yeah, 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 I feel yeah. the pressure, like I want to answer, but it's hard when you <laughs> when you have a hygienist like doing your uh, your teeth. But like as soon as I'm done, I'm answering. So I'm generally as soon as I can possibly get to it, I answer a text. Uh, and I like I like I would ask you, do you take your phone to the bathroom with you? Yeah, I absolutely take it to the bathroom. It gives me something to do. But let's say it's a new relationship. You're dating somebody. You're recently married, and you text, and you don't get a response for 24 hours. That's not a good sign, is it? No, that's not a great sign. But I'll tell you the, the one thing I won't do, because I answer my phones, and I answer my texts. Do you ever get—maybe it's a difference of generations, but the FaceTime— like, I, I got people that are FaceTiming me at 11 o'clock at night. Like, and I'm up. I, I'm up until 2 o'clock in the right. morning stuff. I mean, do you, when do you not answer? Like, sometimes, I, like I say, you take your phone to the bathroom. I mean, I'm certainly not going to answer a FaceTime call. Well, I very rarely get a FaceTime. I mean, if I get two FaceTimes a month, nobody FaceTimes me. I only have one friend that FaceTimes me. Well, I only have three friends, so that's one of my three. No, but... He's the only one that FaceTimes me. I don't know who... Do you FaceTime a lot of people? Not that often. I have one friend. Uh, his name is uh, William Wesley. He's uh, known as Worldwide West. He's the vice president sure. of the New York Knicks. Next. And we talk all the time, and he always FaceTimes me. But he knows if I don't answer his FaceTime, because he's always used to have me answering his phone like immediately, he then will FaceTime me eight seconds later. And then if I don't answer that... I then expect the phone call. Then if I don't get that, he'll text me. So it's like he'll know. Like eventually, like you can't always take a FaceTime call. Right. He's not giving up. <laughs> it's like it's like the texting. I, what is the appropriate amount of time that you respond to a text? Like if you're asking at four o'clock, somebody, "What are you doing for dinner?" and you hear the next day, that's not good. No, no. <laughs> and and by the way, in today you get to see if they read it. Oh, how do I do that on my phone? It says, I'm a dinosaur. You, you set it up so you know that if you send a text, I can tell you if they read it or if they didn't read it. Is that on their end or my on end? Our, on, our, on your so, end. So 
I can tell if they read it or not. Yes. If, how about if they have that prompt off? Can I? Can no, you'll know if you if you have it on your uh, so. If they don't open it up and they don't read it, then you can give them a pass. But if you know they read it and like, do you want to have dinner at four o'clock? That thing, and they get back to you. You know that they read it at four. They could have answered you. Well, now that we are podcast <laughs> superstars, I am getting res- my response time from people is much less than it was. Okay. Anyway, we're both from Philadelphia. We talked about this on the ten o'clock show. And you were very funny, so add some color to it. We're from Philly, and originally, we both live in South Florida. We're registered to vote in South Florida, and uh, we pay taxes. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Philadelphia Phillies, unbelievable Phillies, had a great game the other day, and we're talking about it because whether you're from Philly or not, you have to hear this story. It's a great story about... You know, it's like a Rocky story. Right. It's, it is. It is. There were there were three different subplots in one game. It was uh, two nights ago. The Phillies were playing the Washington Nationals. And the Phillies brought up this uh, one particular player. His last name was Wilson. And um, he's 28 years old. He's never been in the major leagues. He's been in the minor leagues. He's had 3,000 at-bats in the minor leagues. It looks like his career was going to probably die in the minor leagues. And they brought him up. And his and they when they bring him up, they also pay for his family to come and see him. This, this is his first game. First game ever in the major and leagues. And 1,000 bats is what? Uh, hundreds uh, of well, years. 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 We're talking this. His family sacrificed everything to watch him, yeah. you know, on a bus. They, and a minor league ball player zero makes money. No money. Zero, zero money. Zero money. So his, you know, his wife, his mom, his dad, they're all there. And his first at bat, he hits a home run. Home first, run. First at bat. Deep center field. And you're watching his dad cry. So, I cry. So you're watching his dad cry because you just feel the emotion that comes out. So already the game's special for everybody that's there. Then there's this guy, Nick Castellanos. He's our uh, right fielder. And his nine-year-old boy is watching him behind home plate. And he hits a home run, but not just one. He hits two home runs to have 200 home runs in his career. It's a big... uh, Big milestone. Yeah, big milestone. And then the crazy thing is the game's going on. The Phillies trade it for a pitcher that is making his Phillies home debut. Lorenzen is his name. It's his last name. And he was a relief pitcher for most of his career, and all he wanted to do was be a starter. So now he starts this game, and most pitchers, after 100 pitches, you got to call it a, a, a night to protect your arm. Well, after 100 pitches, he's in the seventh inning, and he has a no-hitter going. No-hitter, folks, means no hits in the game. Right, and all of a sudden, he goes out for the eighth inning. He's up to, like, 115 pitches. And that, like, they should maybe be pulling him, but they let him go for the ninth inning, and he gets to 125 pitches. The last pitch was an out to center field, and he gets a no-hitter. And his mom and his wife are in because it's his first game ever in Philadelphia, Everybody's on the field. Champagne's on the field. Like that never it's happens. A rocky story. And like, you got the guy Wilson. He gets like overshadowed. Like who was the minor leaguer? Everybody's hugging it. So the the team camaraderie was so special that I think this is going to just put the Phillies in a position where. You maybe know, that they can maybe make a run. They're going to be playing in front of a sellout. In second place or and third place? They're first in the playoff. And just to set the stage a little bit with the fans of Philadelphia, 
three nights before we had a high-priced player, Trey uh, Turner, who we gave $300 million to for 10 years, and the guy's slumping. And he's playing. He's having the worst year of his career. And he's making errors in the field. He can't hit. That You almost think he, they should bench him. But the Phillies fans decided that when he comes back from this horrible road trip, they're going to give him a standing ovation for every single time he comes to the plate. Oh, that's cool. And not only does he come Humble and deliver, up. he hits, he gets like five hits, a home run, another home run. And the guy now is batting 368. He's well into like shaking off this career. And it's like it, the fans are getting like credit. But Gavi, the fans in Philly threw uh, snowballs at um, you know Santa Claus, didn't they? <laughs> they did, and that's what, make, that's what makes us in, special, yeah. and that's what makes the Philadelphia fan. That's why we travel well, yeah. go to another ballpark. There's right. something fight at other stadiums. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, there's something special about us. As long as you hustle and you work really hard right. and you try, you will always get behind the Phillies. If you make it look easy and you don't try and you don't hustle. The Phillies, the fans will be on you, even if you're a superstar. So, also in sports, we have this Phil Mickelson, one of the greatest golfers of all time, won 46 or 48 tournaments. It came out from this guy, Billy Waters, who went to jail for insider trading, and he was involved with uh, Phil Mickelson, and Phil ratted him out, I believe, and Phil didn't go to jail. But he just wrote this tell-all book, and he says, Phil Mickelson, degenerate gambler, gambled $1 billion in his career, lost $100 million. It's just staggering numbers. Would bet 400000 on a game. Crazy. Yeah, but, but he also uh, set up Phil that when Phil would play golf, uh, he would fly from— he would fly from Rancho Santa Fe in, in uh, San Diego, outside San Diego, to Vegas. And they would play like Shadow Creek. And this guy lined up lined up guys to play with Phil. Like, Phil would play regular guys um. that you could be like a 17 handicap. And Phil would give you the 17 shots. But he would play for like, you know, it could be $100,000. It's just insane. How can a guy, I mean, now he went on the live tour. They paid him. You know, 150 or 200 million to switch tours. So I guess that replenished his bank account. But if he's a generic gambler, I mean, that'll be gone someday too. Oh, after you lose it and then you get a chance to get it back, sometimes, you know. You're going to be better. It's sort of like if Allen Iverson went through 150 million, but they say now that he lost it all. We didn't. We held back an extra fifty-two million that you get when you turn fifty-five. Right. All of a sudden, he's going to treat that fifty-five million like a little differently. Crazy. Well, let's talk a little bit about because we're talking about money, inflation. I mean, gas prices are going through the roof, which means when you go to the grocery store, everything's delivered and by gas. And the prices are going to go up. Diesel went up especially. Diesel. Diesel. Jet fuel. Right. And um, it's going to impact airline prices and everything. And now they keep raising rates. Mortgage rates are going up. Car lots are getting full of cars. You see the Your ad. credit card rates. Credit cards are up to 25 26% if you don't pay it off every month. And now, you know, because of these increased interest rates, we have... Commercial shopping centers defaulting and sending the keys back to the bank. We have office buildings defaulting. We have these hotels like Hampton Inns defaulting. So now Moody's came out and said, watch the banks. Some of these small regional or local community banks are going to be in trouble because, 
you know, all these commercial uh, buildings and office buildings are starting to default. So, you know, here we are, we're starting to enter a very perilous times because if the inflation doesn't subside, which it started to, but now prices and gas are going up, they're going to keep raising rates. And it's going to be a problem for everybody. It's going to affect everybody. They're going to start to see it now. It, the news is always comes a, a little bit before with the effects. You're going to start to fill up. You're, 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 it's going to cost you t an extra twenty dollars to put gasoline in your car, and it's only going up. It's not going down because the last time President Biden uh, was able to let some of our oil reserves go. So we didn't. So he was able to hide how bad it really was. Right before the election. Right the before the election. Oil reserve. How much? How many reserves do we have left? So it's down to the bottom. You right. used all. You used everything in there. So now there's nothing there to pull out. Right. So now you're just. And now Saudi Arabia is cutting back, and there we're in a vice, and we're going to now see what it's like. I think gasoline's going to go to five, six dollars a gallon as it goes. And there, hopefully, it's not a real cold winter up there because you'll really. Uh, see the effects. And by the way, if you remember, Congress turned down Donald Trump when he wanted to fill the reserves to the top right. when it was $2 a gallon. Right. And he got turned down. And now Joe Biden needs to fill up our reserves at $4.90 a gallon. Well, this, this, is, this is an important issue because Saudi Arabia is cutting back production. When Donald, you know, whatever it is, it is. Donald Trump, when he was president of the United States, you know, the Saudi Arabia is a different culture. They do things differently. They penalize people differently. And they have their own set, set of rules. Well, when they chopped up that journalist, however you say his name, Khashoggi. Khashoggi, Khashoggi they chopped him up. And everybody— But he was an American. What's that? But he was an American. He was an American, but there was a public outcry that Donald Trump should cut off the Saudi Arabia. And you know what? That's their culture, whatever happened over there. And Donald Trump made a presidential decision. When you're president, right. just like Joe Biden made a decision in Afghanistan where our poor 13 soldiers got Harry killed. Harry Truman made a decision in World War II. And right. Exactly. The, the Oppenheimer thing, the movies that's going out, you can read about. Here's the president that dropped the bomb. So now Joe Biden has no juice with the Saudi Arabian people, the government there. And they're, they're they well, laugh at him. They're laughing at him. Putin's getting so rich because oil's going up and he's selling oil. She's the, laughing. The, the sanctions aren't working. And um, here we have Donald Trump made a presidential decision, you know, I'm not going to fight with these guys, what they did, I'll turn my back. I don't agree with it, but in the general scheme of the world, I guess he made a really good decision to do this. And, you know, here we have a crisis. America is, I, 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 my whole career as a home builder, I built 16,000 houses, and I suffered in 1980, 1990, 2000, and 2010. You know, I know what increased rates mean to the housing industry, the mortgage industry, the title industry. Now you have lawyers going out. If you're doing, you know, a lot of legal work in these big law firms, they're starting to suffer because these businesses, look, you have yellow. Title companies, how about, yeah, mortgage companies. How about this yellow trucking, 100-year-old yeah. company right. out of business? Right. It's insane. And then you have Kamala, how do you say it? Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris who's on TV the other day talking about Bidenomics. 
But the unions, don't forget the unions. Oh, the unions. But Kamala Harris is on TV with a giant herpes sore on her lip. And I'm like... Never goes away. Well, you know, don't go on TV this week. Go home, put some shit on your face. Do you think Willie Brown's at home saying you shouldn't have have gone on TV? Now we're canceled. Yeah, Willie Brown said, why is she on TV? I mean, come on, Kamala. You keep making these mistakes. I mean, don't go on TV with a giant herpes sore. But I, you know, this is this is just unbelievable how the economy is really starting to derail, and we have this presidential election, and everybody's going to get to be, to debate these things, and they say a recession is when your next door neighbor loses your job, a depression is when you lose your job, right? Right. right. Well, we are so popular with our eighty-one thousand listeners. I don't think we're going to lose our podcast job, are we? Guys? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But so now we have Joe Biden. He's at the um, Grand Canyon, you know, this week. He flew out there on Air Force could One. You imagine, could you imagine you fly out to the Grand Canyon? It's a four-hour, five-hour flight from Washington. Not one person can say, Joe, listen, I know On the you, Weather Channel, Yeah, on the way. Weather Channel. This is where his big interview yeah, is after all these months. Right. So uh, because, because the owner of the Weather Channel is Allen, who is uh, yeah, Byron, Byron Allen. Allen which is a, that's another story. But anyway, as he's flying out there for four hours, do you think one of his aides could say, because they, they know what he's going to talk about because he doesn't, you know, ad-lib, and uh, he wants to mention that it's the ninth wonder of the world, a natural wonder. Do you think one aide could tell him that there's not there, there, <laughs> there aren't nine wonders of the world, so that way he knows what he's talking about, that there's seven natural wonders of the world <laughs> and not nine? And, you know, it's, Well, I want to see him with his sunglasses off because I want to see his eyes rolling back he, in his head when he says stupid stuff. And, he, and he's only 100 miles from the border where everybody's coming across right. left and right, and he's worried about stopping. Oh, to stop more oil drilling just so gasoline could go up go a little higher. bit more. And then tell you how great Bionomics is doing, so that way you feel much better as you're paying for everything. So let's roll back to that union conversation that okay. you started. I mean, this is crazy. So well, your yellow bird went out, but they helped UPS. They, the government gave, you know... $10,000 a bonus to every UPS person to settle that contract. Right. And the United Auto Workers, who are about to go on strike, they have just a small demand that they're asking. They want to go to a four-day work week. Four days. Four days. They want to go to 32-hour work days, but they want to be paid for five, to be paid for 40, even though they work 32, and they want a 40% price increase. 40%. For cars that aren't selling right now, the EV cars aren't selling, and on the lot, you can buy cars for a discount. $12,000 truck discount. If you want a truck right now, twelve thousand right discounted. So their product isn't selling right now. They want a forty percent increase, thirty-two hours a week. Where's the money coming from? It's unbelievable. And the problem is, Joe Biden, and I'm not, you know, defending Donald Trump, but Joe Biden run ran as a union president, a president that supports the union. So now he's somewhat compromised to negotiate, take a hard line with the railroad guys, with the truckers with the auto workers, because he ran as a union guy. I'm going to defend the union, you know. And now you have a situation where these unions, look, we had bad inflation, and everybody lost ground. But you just can't make it up like this. But if you have all the unions that are on strike, 
it would be nice to say, do you really think that the United Auto Workers in Michigan, do you really think they give a crap about the actors in Hollywood? Right. And mm-hmm. do you really think the actors give a crap about them? Do you remember when they cut the pipeline or the or the coal miners in West Virginia and they turned around and they said, oh, they'll just learn how to write code. The actors didn't care about them and the coal miners don't care about them. It's, it's just an unbelievable story. And I just think that the economy is starting to spiral, and I think it's going to get worse. And Joe Biden is running out of tricks in his arsenal because there is no strategic oil reserve anymore to, to, to supplement the oil. He's in a war with Saudi Arabia because he fist-pumped the guy, and they hate him. He's asking for, what, another $40 billion for Ukraine. Ukraine. And by the way, and most of that money, only $6 billion, is for, their, uh, for the arsenal. But the rest of the money is to build up their economy. Like, he's worried about their economy, not the illegal immigrants that are coming into our country that we're housing and feeding that we you have to do, plus all our cities that are falling apart, that Massachusetts has a state of an emergency, New York wants a state of emergency, Chicago's in... Uh, is in the toilet. You have Fentanyl Island in Oakland. Seattle's in trouble. You know, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida. They're do- we're doing great down here. I mean, well, I read today in the New York Post where I get most of my information <laughs> um, that Mayor Adams, New York, Mayor Adams called Biden 36 times, did not get a return phone call because New York City is just drowning. Everybody in New York City that has any any bit of money is, you know, downsizing in New York City and buying a home in Florida where, you know, obviously the te- there are no state taxes and, you know, beautiful out. Well, you, your kid could go out and play. We have so many ball fields here that are lit up at night that your kids could be playing little from soccer to baseball to pickleball to tennis. Anything you want to do from swimming outside here, we have plenty of fields. New York now, they're taking away their fields. Soon it's going to be Central Park where they're going to have undocumented uh, immigrants, except I have a friend that's in Texas right now. He's in Austin, Texas, and they don't call them undocumented. They call them their homeless camps. Yeah, new they, words. Yeah, new th- words. they're like homeless camps. You have to be careful what you call yeah. things. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so you have to know. Um, that's what, why we're called unbandaged. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's a little... uh, I mean, it's crazy. Like, this whole thing with the chef, Obama's chef. First of all, I don't know. I know a lot of rich people. I don't know anybody who's got a chef. Obama's got a chef. This guy dies in four feet of water, and then the next day, he's got two kids or something. The next day, you never hear another story about this No autopsy, nothing. No autopsy, nothing. The guy is on Martha's Vineyard, quiet. It dies in like a lake. It's not the ocean where the undertow. And and the story's changing a little bit. Who called? Who was the 911 caller? Who were the witnesses? Who were the people with them? I mean, the story's like being manipulated. It's sort of like the cocaine in the White House. Like, you can't get a story straight of which room. And the FBI, somebody admitted they know who whose cocaine it was, right? Somebody, they yeah, know. the Secret Service thinks the FBI knows everything, and it belongs to a Biden. Go figure. So, uh, you and know, now um, you have, and by the way, back to Martha's Vineyard, yeah. you have Kamala Harris decides that she's going to do a fundraiser because she's the people's person. Right. So on Martha's Vineyard, on Martha's Vineyard is where she's going. The average income there is eighty-two million dollars. Right, a year, that's right? where she's having the fundraiser. Right now, who's going to be the chef for the fundraiser? 
Yeah, well, they're going to have to. But I mean, it, you know, like two frogmen, or you know, there's store, there's all these rumors, right. you know, that you know, I buy the National Enquirer and the Globe, and you know, so when my daughter quizzes me, I have all the answers. Well, he has his them. biographer out there now that's yeah. writing like some that's of these saying, stories. You about know, him. he, you know, he's like a homosexual. Is that like, is that an inappropriate word? Oh, huh? uh, like he he can he fantasized about being with men. Yeah, uh, yeah, giving him another man a blowjob. Yeah. and um, yeah. So, and they, you know, one of the stories is the chef was writing a tell-all book. Look, if you have a personal chef. He hears everything. He hears everything. I mean, you know, when my kids were young, we had a lady come over the house once a week and make spaghetti and meatballs. And, you know, no, it was a fun family night. Right. You know, my parents came, you know. and But she was right there in the kitchen. Everything we talked about at the kitchen table, you know, she heard. I mean, obviously, this if the, if Obama's on the phone with Joe Biden, what the fuck are you doing, Joe? <laughs> What's your kid yeah. doing? I like how they say, you know, and and, and Gavi Kreskin, you know, talked about it at the beginning. Nobody steals 17 million. Well, now it's up to what? 25 million? Yeah, 30 great, million? And and they that's only what they still have so many more bank I mean, records. It's going to be like $105 billion, you know? It's crazy. But, you know, I say, I mean, with all this nonsense, you know, the DOJ, because we, between our first show, which was fantastic, and this is better, obviously, <laughs> you know, I think we're funnier today. But, you know, breaking news came out, but like, it, there's so much stuff that is like the deep, dark state. Like, if I was Donald Trump, would I be concerned about the Secret Service that's protecting me? I mean, the Secret Service got rid of this cocaine in the White House. The Secret Service got rid of Hunter's gun. Got rid of Hunter's gun. Now you're you're President Trump, and you're being protected by this Secret Service that is under this. You know, cloud now. I mean, are you feeling real good? You know, I think he has to go through the drive-through of McDonald's to feel safe. Right. You know, he must eat fast food and not put the tenant window down or something. It's kind of crazy. I would be concerned, but like today, we took our break and we came back. And look at the look at the the news that hits. You take a break, you come back, and you know this country. You know the the mainstream. Wait, let media- me just stop you. For okay. Every week we prepare for this show. Hours and hours, <laughs> maybe about seven minutes. And we say, we're not going to talk politics this week. Let's talk about something. But it's just too tantalizing. You can't stop. So we took a break for lunch. Go ahead. And all of a sudden, you find out there's breaking news. Of course, it's a Friday. So that's when uh, that's when Joe Biden likes to break his news. And that way, he goes on where he doesn't answer any questions. But on Friday, he has Attorney General Garland. He's announcing that he's going to finally hire a special prosecutor to prosecute, look into Hunter Biden. And believe it or not, it's the same guy Weiss who gave him the sweetheart deal. So everybody will go, you'll watch David Muir tonight on ABC News, and he'll say, see, he's really helping you. This is just a firewall to protect Joe Biden, to delay this whole case, that it can try to go away. This guy Weiss isn't even allowed to be a special counsel because a special counsel has to be someone that's not part of the government. And it's well, outside. how can they appoint him? Because because Garland thinks they can just do everything. They just rough, they just force it down you. But I think the House is like 
is on to this. Everybody that's that is knows knows that this can't be done and this it's unacceptable. And that's why you need to have an impeachment inquiry to stop this. Because otherwise, if you're just going to let Garland, Garland's in cahoots. There's there's no question that this is what their brain. This is what they were brainstorming. How do we get Hunter and Joe off of it? And they thought we'll put this same prosecutor now. He said he didn't need to be a special counsel. He said he had the power to do that. And now all of a sudden he's saying I need the power. I mean, which sto- his story keeps changing. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe this is a way to compromise him where he doesn't ask. They were going to call this David yes. Weiss, you know, to testify. You know, uh, an impeachment inquiry is where the Congress has ultimate authority to get information. Where right now they're relying on the DOJ and, and, and other people to get this stuff. And it doesn't mean you're going to be impeached. No. It just gives them the power that they can't be turned down and makes it easier, especially when they have people trying to stop an investigation. Well, here you have Hunter Biden, who is one of the brightest guys, you know, that Joe knows. <laughs> and so he, so he gets $142,309 from the richest woman in Russia. In Moscow. For, in Moscow. And he gets $142,309. You know, deposited in his account. You know what he goes out and does? He goes out and buys a Fisker, then a Porsche sports car. How much was it exactly, the Porsche? 142309 <laughs> nine cents. He can't even, like... Even my kids, when they were young, knew how to, like, hide stuff. I mean, you know, the same exact number, you know, he's buying a car. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. And, you know, now we have this guy, Bill Barr, who... <laughs> What's the deal? He was Trump's, you know, attorney general. And he is on every TV show trashing Donald Trump. And I'm like, you're his lawyer. I mean, isn't there etiquette that you— It's Donald Trump's—his biggest mistakes he made as president. Is, I mean, he did great with the Supreme Court. His biggest mistakes he made was when Obama was uh, president, he had Holder was his, was his wingman, as Holder would say. Uh, all of a sudden, Biden has Garland. Trump comes up with Jeff Sessions, which right. is like he was Jeff, a zero, a zero. Then he gets Bill Barr. He's getting guys that are like trying to like uh, he's like I think he's like uh, trying to entertain a job on uh, MSNBC. This Bill Barr. I mean, and he writes a book, and he's like, I mean, it's unbelievable. This guy Bill Barr is on every TV show. Talking about, you know, wow, it's a January 6th indictment. Yeah, they threw all the documents away, So, but I think it's a real case, and Trump's in trouble, and he's going to go, shut the fuck up. Right. I mean, you they were, threw, you they swear. threw By the way, they threw away two years' worth of cases that you got to see hit them only telling their side of the story. And now that Trump is being indicted, he's entitled to these pieces of paper, and they're saying they destroyed it. Like, right. And this country's like, oh, they destroyed it. David Muir said they destroyed it. And this country just goes, you heard the news. I mean, it, uh, I mean, it, it, it's there's got to be something with this Bill Barr that he has such hatred and such. I'm vitriol. telling you, it's like you're watching a football game and your team. Every time <laughs> something happens, there's a penalty flag thrown on the ground, and it's just starting to get frustrating. It's like he's almost working for Merrick Garland. Like they must be having lunch together at the Four Seasons. Yeah, let's build this to the government. Yeah, two, and you know, I'll, I'll make you special counsel, Weiss. Yeah. You know, this time you can like delay another two more years so you don't have to do anything. So jumping off a of politics, we, we could go. We can go one if you want to. We should be talking about Maui. 
Well, let's talk about Maui. That's great. I mean, this is just a horrible situation. Our hearts go out to the people in Hawaii. I mean, it's tragic. The entire town burned down. Animals, pets. There's no drugstores there for, by the way, people that's the, the survivors that are there. They can't even get their medication. It's, and it's not like the mainland where you just get it from another town over. They have to, like, have this scent there. And did you, are you reading some of the stories how people, the fire came in 30 seconds. They had to jump into the ocean right. with 70-mile-an-hour winds with the sparks hitting them. And a lot of them died even in the ocean from the smoke. And the, and the sparks and the flames flew on the boats, and boats in the harbor, and sitting in the harbor were actually burned up. When this is all said and done, I bet you it's into the hundreds that have died, into the hundreds. Yeah, I think it's at 30 or 40, but I and mean— I bet It's going to be in the hundreds. I mean, Barack Obama's from Hawaii, allegedly, you know, mm-hmm. if you— yeah. So is he going to go down there? Who's going to go down? Is Joe Biden? Well, Joe doesn't go past Philadelphia. <laughs> no, he did Amtrak. Uh, Does Amtrak yeah. go to Hawaii? <laughs> yeah, because he wanted to Amtrak take it from. Joe. Didn't he want to take it from uh, from the United States to India? Yeah, uh, he yeah, thought yeah, he could yeah. Take, You know, there's no train up there to take uh, there right now. So. But in the meantime, the United States has no more money because we're giving it to Ukraine, and we have Hawaii, Maui, beautiful. Just burned down. Right. I mean, they know, need like forty billion to like fix uh, maybe Hawaii. just to start. I'm mean, first of all, the insurance companies talk about the economy and everything. These insurance companies are going to go broke. I mean, you had an entire city burned to the ground. Right. So now all these insurance companies, you know, short, short Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, you know, because I'm sure he has all his insurance companies down there. But I mean, think about it. I, you have all these insurance companies that are going to have to pay for this repair. The federal government's going to have to underwrite all this and. And we're just sending money away. I mean, can we send some of these undocumented immigrants over there to help rebuild it or rebuild the wall? <laughs> you know, let the undocumented immigrants do something. I agree. I mean, like they could sit there and rebuild. Yeah, absolutely. Right now, what are they getting? They get a cell phone. Well, they're, right. They're just sitting there like they need this town needs to be like rebuilt ASAP. Right. So we have, you know, and what's crazy, America has 350 million Americans and you have a couple million immigrants, illegal immigrants, that came in here, and it's just upsetting the apple court. And, you know, like the budgets in New York, I was reading today that, you know, the numbers are just staggering the amount of money they're spending in New York. Because they're not, they're not fixing it. You know, they keep asking for money. And they keep saying, give us more money. New York wants more money. But like I, I, like I was trying to tell you, it's like a, a dam. And, like, the dam is breaking. And New York keeps saying, I need more buckets. Give me more buckets to get this water out. Why not fix the dam, and then you can get to the buckets, like, later? And right now, our our border is broken. It's open. It's wide open. They're fl- Drugs coming they're, in. They're running in here. Cartel. So, right. We're worried about giving money to help give them more cell phones, more food, more shelter. But I don't understand. What is— Biden's theory. Why is he not cracking down? Why is he not? First of all, you're that guy, Mayorka, who's like head of the border czar. Why do you want that job? He just get, goes up there and they start screaming well, Kam- at him well, all Kamala the time. Kamala was in charge of the border. Right. And, you know, she thought some of the problems was that they lived, uh, these uh, Central uh, American countries lived in darkness. So she's going to send them light bulbs. It will make it brighter. That's one of their solutions, light bulbs. I mean, it's that we the problem that they have is they got to close the border 
And it's, yeah, it shouldn't be is, that hard to fit. It shouldn't be that hard. But why do they want an open border? What is the reasoning? I still don't understand why. Votes. Future votes. You get the. You get. Don't pe- you have to be a citizen to vote? Yeah, but the, you know what? Because they think maybe they can make them with a with a, a quick of a brush. They could say they're all now American citizens. It would be cheaper to give every prisoner fillet and then let them vote for you know Biden. And then then do this border immigration thing. I mean, it seems like a far fetched plan, but you know maybe that's what it is. Uh, do you really think Joe Biden is calling any of the shots? Do I think Joe Biden is calling any of the shots? It's hard, it's hard to believe. I mean, but who is there? Every time he talks, every time he goes off thing, it's like unbelievable. He talked about the oil on his windshield. And, uh, right. And, and, uh, but who, who is Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton? Who's behind him that's calling the shots? Well, I mean, I don't know. Hunter. Hunter's calling. How many times do you think in like, Barack Obama lays in bed and says to Michelle— says the words, fucking Hunter Biden. <laughs> How many times do you think he says, fucking Hunter Biden? Uh, I mean, like, like I mean, that's the smartest guy. I mean, this guy is causing aggravation to this whole party. That's unbelievable. Now, the other day I'm watching, did you see, so Twitter, one of our, you know. X now. X, one of our great spots for the Cuddy and Gavi Unbanded show, 81,000 <laughs> listeners so far. They have this new CEO, Linda Yaccarino. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I have my New York Post. She did an interview. She, she should be president of the United States. If anybody can go back and watch this interview with this Linda Yaccarino that Elon Musk hired to run Twitter, she was the most impressive person I've ever seen on TV. I mean— I expect nothing less from Elon Musk. right. But they asked her so many tough questions. While you're working for Elon Musk, who's deciding what to do? And she said, we have defined roles. He's chief engineer. He designs the product. He's the vision guy. And he gives it to me, and I execute it. I mean, she was so impressive. If you have a chance to listen to her, I mean, she could solve all the problems. And You know, if you have an idea, if you have an idea and you don't execute it, it's just a dream. So you need you need to execute it. If that's if that's her thing, she makes it happen. She's the one that can make his vision happen. And I believe this X, formerly known as Twitter, you know, because they're moving in the banking, they're moving in the gambling, they're moving into all these, you know, one platform does everything. You know, it's going to be an uh, you know everybody betting. You know, when they said forty four billion, it's worth ten billion. Elon Musk is going to go broke. You know, I wish I had money, you know, to give him the forty four billion. You know, because you bet on this guy, you're making a bad bet if you don't think he's going to turn it around. And if you sit there and listen to this, Linda Yaccarino, who ran NBC, and you know, she's already brought Coca Cola on and a couple of these other major Fortune fifty companies as advertisers and. You know, you listen to her and you say, ah, this guy is he's like Thomas Edison. He, where did he pluck her from? Where did he, how did he find this woman, you know, right. that, that is able to execute these things? It's just unbelievable. So now we also have, you know, the Zuck Elon Musk maybe <laughs> potential fight. They say, you know, Elon Musk is training. Zuckerberg is like a karate expert or something. Yeah, jiu-jitsu guy or something. Jiu-jitsu. I mean, do you think this fight's... Dana White's involved, you know? You think it's going to happen? I think... uh, I don't know. You know, this Musk is now... uh, 
is now saying that he maybe has an injury that he's getting yeah, a doctor. Yeah, yeah. So I he, don't really he saw know. training videos. Is up. You know, Dana, say, hey, maybe I'm you know Dana White gave an interesting story uh, the other day that talking about UFC and the whole thing. I had no idea, but years ago. He was pitching, Dana White was pitching UFC to ESPN to make sure that they can maybe have a TV contract to put UFC on ESPN because he knows that that was how it would like. You believe look. it's real UFC. It's a real fighting. A it's real not fight. like WWE. No, no, no. This is it. Cage. This is it. Like These it, guys fight. It could last eight seconds. It could be a thing. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're killing you. Blood's all over right. the place. And, uh, and it's real. And by the way, you could be better than the next guy, but that guy just gets one in shot. The, one shot and it's yeah. done. So anyway, the head of ESPN was this guy named Skipper, and uh, he hated UFC. So he was going to turn down Dana White. But just as he was about to turn him down, he got caught buying Coke from his drug dealer. Oh, bad move. The head of ESPN. Wow. The head. So he had to step down. So the guy that took his spot, loves the UFC and loved Dana White, and he gave them the contract. And that is why UFC is on ESPN, and it boomed, all because of a drug dealer. <laughs> and they did a smart thing during COVID. They went to, like, an island in Saudi Arabia or somewhere, and they made everybody quarantine. Gave you something to do. You watched the— Yeah, I mean, you know, um, UFC was on, was on when everything else was off, and— you know, what's going to happen with this writer strike? You know, we're lucky. We're in a great spot with our podcast. And we write our own material. We write our own material. Even though this material is a little like our 10 o'clock show material, <laughs> it's better now. Right. It's better material. So anyway, we're bucky. So I'm out of here, Gavi. I'm headed up north to finish my you stay. You stayed back here just to... Uh... I did two shows in studio with you because I love you. And uh, I wanted to see all my people at Lifetime Fitness and work out with them. And, and it was fun. we can give a quick update just to let our listeners know that we always let them know about how Diane Feinstein's yeah, going. Yeah, let's hear Diane. 91-year-old senator. She fell out of the wheelchair. Fell out of the wheelchair. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi's daughter's in charge of the wheelchair. Cause How she, is that possible? Because she put her thing, it's a whole How long... How does Nancy Pelosi's daughter get to Diane Feinstein? Because Nancy Pelosi wants Adam Schiff to be the next senator of California. Uh, Governor Newsom said that he's going to put a, a black woman as uh, as the Check next... Check the box. Yeah, so if Diane Feinstein steps down, if she steps down because she can't do the job... Well, she can't step. <laughs> you will have a black woman senator that Newsom promised to choose. If she can make it across the finish line, then uh, Adam Schiff will probably be the next senator. So they're two; they're competing. Pelosi and Newsom have to compete on this situation. And uh, even though that Diane Feinstein doesn't have the power of attorney to take care of her herself, it's unbelievable. We talked about it last week. And Fetterman's laughing. He's saying, "Look at her. Yeah. I'm doing and better." He's than- humiliated himself this week. But Diane Feinstein. Her family made her sign away her rights to make her own personal decisions because she's unable to. But she is a United States senator, and she can vote for us. She can decide about our future, Ukraine's next $40 billion, you know, by just saying, somebody whispers in your ear, say I. (laughs) But to give one plug, 
Josh Shapiro, the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania, he is an up-and-coming star in the Democratic Party, and the Democrats are taking to him like Republicans took to Youngkin. And they think that he has presidential... uh, He looks good. Yeah, possibilities. He looks good. And he should, at this point, tell Fetterman... You got to step down. You can't do the job. I mean, if you see him now on cases, you don't even see him. But if there's other shows that will show you how Fetterman acts during the day, he's a zero out there. And I think this gives uh, Josh Shapiro an opportunity to put Alan Dom, a Democratic councilman from Philadelphia, to be a senator and to make Pennsylvania better. That would be a step in the right direction. And I'm a Republican saying that. Yeah, because Alan Dom is smart, he's the dominator, and he's business savvy, and he will vote rather than on a political ticket. He will vote what's right. And he thinks, he'll he, vote and he'll move right. right. He'll, cross the, he'll cross party lines to doing what's right, right rather than someone owning him or doing something and just saying, uh, being a yes person to a party. He's the dominator. Yeah, he's a free thinker. He's great. And he ran for mayor in Philadelphia, but unfortunately that didn't work out. But And he should try to put that restaurant Houston's up in by the Rittenhouse right, Fair I area, agree. and it would be a winner. So right. put that in there if you know Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. So let me just go through this again for for those of you that were missing the beginning of our show we're on spotify youtube tiktok facebook instagram where we're on bandaged pod and apple and this is uh the um 10th episode or is it our 11th episode could be right it's maybe 10th or 11th episode and we're up to eighty-one thousand listeners and Hopefully. We don't know if it's 10th or 11th until we find out if this Yeah, if this <laughs> works. But we know because Gavi was in Harvard at Harvard and he's wearing the shirt last week in Boston. He spread the word all around, so we picked up a lot of listeners. Yeah, they so. want me to lecture again up there. Yeah, no, my alma mater. Yeah, I want you to do that, Gavi. You should I, I give should. A, and, what, and so what, is, what would the lectures about? Would it be politics? Would it be watches? Would it be about having a great head of hair? I mean, I don't know, you know... Watches are a good thing right now. I mean, people should be, uh, you know, looking into uh, investing. We're we're going to have some of your people on about the watch business. There's these young kids out there that are buying and selling watches and making money like And if people can get a chance tonight, watch Tommy Paul. He is a D-Bethune watch wearer. He's part of uh, Watchbox, and he's playing the number one player in the world tonight, Alcaraz. And it would be a great thing for Tommy Paul, U.S. American, up-and-coming guy, that uh, I would love to see him win tonight. So well, that's a great plug. Yeah. I mean, Watchbox, the number one watch company in the world here. Tommy Paul, D. Bethune. D. Bethune. And that is, that's a, D. Bethune is what, a, a signature watch? It's, it's a very high-end boutique watch brand of one of the finest watchmakers in the world. Is it like a Patek? Or? It's in the same realm as uh, Patek Philippe, F.P. Jorn, Moser, in that neighborhood, if you know uh, watches. All right, so a shout-out to my buddy Shotland. You got to buy a D. Bethune here, and Gavi's the guy to get it for you. <laughs> anyway, folks, thanks for listening. Have a good week. Have a great week. Talk to you later.